0: Back to the Cracked Out Podcast. I'm Charlie, joined by Reed, as always, and we have a uh, some more measured thoughts today on the Georgia Bulldog game, if you can call it a game that that occurred. Uh, we'll also go over a quick Eastern Washington preview for this upcoming game, one that's hopefully better for the Ducks. Um, but first of all, Reed, how, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, excited for. The kickoff of real Oregon football. I feel like I didn't get my fix last weekend. That's I forget if we talked about that much, but that was certainly part of my feelings after the game, was just like, damn, I didn't even get to celebrate a touchdown, didn't you know yeah. get to feel a competitive game after a couple series. So I'm excited uh, to see Oregon hopefully have some
0: success this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And we'll talk about, I mean, it's, it's an FCS team. Like Let's just get that out of the way. That, that's, that success is probably going to come. Um, it's once in a blue moon that an FCS team beats a bad FBS team, much less one that we still think is somewhat decent, um, despite the thrashing they took. So let's just give our final thoughts on this Georgia game. Let's get it out of the way. Um, on a rewatch, on a film study, whatever you did, um, what are some things, some things you noticed?
1: Yeah, I think that I mean a lot of the things were were what we said on in the post game that there were some areas that Oregon was decently competitive in and other places that they had no chance to compete at. Um mm-hmm. I think that the offensive line I was felt even better about on a rewatch. I mean two big things were that they rushed at a def- decent clip. Um what, the total yardage ended up at uh, 140 yards on 4.5 per rush? That's very good numbers against Georgia. Um, I mean, not you know good in that it was going to win them the game, but good in that a lot of other teams wouldn't be able to do that against Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. And they didn't allow Georgia to get much pressure on the quarterback at all either. Um, you know, I mean... Georgia finished with zero sacks in the game, and I think that was the first time that that had happened since twenty nineteen. I think I saw on Twitter; I am not one hundred percent sure on that. But mm. um, those are two things that I think, even though, yeah, the score line is brutal, uh, there are some threads in this game that you know say, like if if you look at these stats and you look past that score, there are things you can see that suggest this Oregon team you know, isn't on the level of Georgia at all, but there's a difference between what they did, uh, and what, you know, a team outside the top 50 would do in the country. Uh, and we're kind of still waiting to see where Oregon's going to fall as they progress somewhere, uh, in that mix. What, what stood out to you?
0: I mean, like you said, the offensive line, I think played better than I sort of realized, um, especially considering the guys they were going up against like that that's the toughest test you're ever gonna have um, as a unit and I think they did relatively well um, like you said no sacks um, the run blocking was kind of decent um, I was watching I, I was reading and watching um, Hitler film review which if I always do after every game and it gives me a lot of you know a lot of what I say right here will be um, based on that so I would guarantee I, I need you to check it out, basically, um, if you're listening to this. Um, offensive line p- played pretty well. The running game was decent. Bo Nix wasn't as bad as, I think, the the he wasn't as bad as we kind of assume. Um, you know, a, a lot of people are just throwing out Bo Nix as, like, a meme at this point, And, yeah, I get it. Like, this is what happens. He'll have a decent game. And then he has two bonehead interceptions that are just terrible. Um, especially that second one, but all things considered, I mean, he made a lot of good reads. day said he made all the right reads in the run game. Um, he did have some decent throws. I mean, he can get it out to the sideline really quickly. He's got the arm talent. He's just got to use it. Um, really. I came out of it feeling a little better about the offense but worse about the defense. Um, seeing some of those clips over again and really just um, seeing the numbers about how Oregon played against Georgia, really their offense like moved the ball slightly better than a lot of the teams Georgia faced last season, um, which I think is still a good comparison considering what their defense looked like. Um, the Oregon moved the ball pretty well, but could not stop georgia whatsoever um and mind you it was a georgia attacked us in a different way than they did last year um they didn't spread it out that much last year they really like pounded the rock you know beat bludgeon teams to death and then they would throw it over the top with mcconkey or mitchell or whoever um and so yeah those are just kind of my general thoughts about it um I think what I, you, I know you might have some more numbers or something to, to back those things up.
1: Yeah, I think what you said on the defense is definitely uh, how I felt too. And the solution to that, I think, is just going to be seeing how the players adapt to this scheme over the course of the season. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. we're going to find many positives within that game. But I'm hopeful that uh, as they adjust, like I would still have belief in the talent of that unit uh, for the most part. Depends on the position group. I mean, losing Popo is a big loss. He's out for the season for those who didn't see. Um, Jordan Riley was good, though, defensively. Uh, he seemed like he stepped into that that role well. Uh, a lot of the transfers, I thought, played pretty well. Uh, at least looked like they belonged relative to the other Oregon defensive linemen. Uh, I think that the edge spot was a big um, whiff, kind of, on... Saturday. I mean, Funa, I I had the snap counts. Funa played the most at 35. DJ Johnson played 32 snaps. uh, Trevin May 26. And then Braden Swenson only played six snaps. That was a really uh, surprising thing. I didn't quite track that it was that low of a number during the game. Uh, And that's really surprising for a guy who I think said he wanted 12 sacks preseason. Obviously, that was you know, a big number when it was said and and not the expectation by any means. But at the same time, when a player is talking like that, it would suggest that they have a bigger role than six snaps in this one. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there's any other storyline behind that a small injury or something. Um, And if we'll see more from Swenson going forward, because a big question was, Will this Oregon defense be able to manufacture some pass rushing ability with the loss of Kayvon Thibodeau? And the hope was that, you know, it would be a committee approach that was led by DJ Johnson, Braden Swinson, and maybe some blitzing linebackers, um, and maybe Doorless having a breakout. But, you know, Swinson was one of the first names off of, you know, everyone's tongue when mentioning how Oregon would replace the sacks that they lost and the pass rush ability that they lost from Kayvon Thibodeau departing for the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a non-factor on Saturday and didn't even get the opportunity to really take over that game or or have an impact on it. Um, so that was certainly surprising. Uh, the linebacking play wasn't good uh, at all. Sewell and Flo had some characteristic uh now I think overruns of guys I mean Sewell had the one that was our best chance at a sack uh all day probably um and just ran right past Stetson um and Flo he ate up a lot of tackles was pretty good in run defense he finished with 10 tackles which was second only to Jamal Hill on the defense um you know he runs around like a madman but he makes some bad plays, too, uh, and goes rogue a bit. Um, that late hit on Stetson Bennett obviously was a uh, head-scratcher at a point in the game where it wasn't competitive, really, but just there's no excuse for that, really. Yeah. Um, and it didn't seem like he was really aware of what a bad play that was after the fact. Uh And, I I mean, ditto about really this whole defense. I thought the defensive line, honestly, on the rewatch was uh, the better part of the defense uh, because Georgia never established the run to a dominating degree. Um, They could win reps, but, you know, they were still holding their own uh, at times. But the rest of the defense, the secondary, wasn't good either, obviously, and especially competing on the edge and getting off blocks uh, was really bad. so we're just gonna have to see what happens. Uh, I think Steven Steve Stevens starting was something I was surprised at at safety to open the game. there's a lot of buzz about Brian Addison coming on. Stevens ended with 49 snaps to Addison's 24 um, so that was disappointing. Uh, a few other notes that I have just about kind of the rotations here uh, on offense. The running back room, it seemed like, was Irving, Whittington, and Cardwell got to be primary backs early on on drives, and Dollars was used mostly as a third down back um, in pass-catching situations and such. Uh, And then Jordan James' work, I think, you know, he had as many snaps as these guys, but it felt like they were most— and and they were mostly at the end of the game in pseudo-garbage time. So I wonder if we're going to pare down this running back rotation— Um, and have it just kind of be a primary and a secondary and then dollars and third down roll Uh, and if so who from Irving Whittington and Cardwell makes it in and in what order to that um, one-two punch because uh, they're just I, I don't know if there's enough snaps to go around but at the same time there's not much separation between those three guys in my mind they have different styles but Uh, I wouldn't say that there's anyone I'm, you know, set on not being included or anyone that I think looks like a true number one yet. Um, And then two other last notes on the offense. Uh, At wide receiver, it was Coda with 55 snaps, Franklin with 49 snaps, and Dante Thornton with 21 snaps. Um, So I think some surprise in terms of Thornton running as a, a. third receiver kind of behind the pack by a decent bit there. Um, And it seemed like from the PFF numbers, a potential explanation for that was that uh, Coda and Franklin were really good in run blocking on Saturday, actually. And Hmm. Thornton struggled to do it, Um, had a pretty negative grade in that area. So I wonder if that's something that's holding Thornton back on the field and if that could... Uh, potentially look differently against a defense with less physical corners, uh, you know, where, where Thornton actually isn't a liability as much against some of the Pac-12 teams that we'd play in their secondaries. Uh, quickly, tight end, uh, Ferguson had six targets, uh, was used mostly as a pass catcher, and then Patrick Herbert we saw get 16 snaps and do the best job and be utilized the most as a run blocker, so that was interesting to see his role. Um, and then the offensive line we touched on a lot. Uh, and the one note is that uh, Marcus Harper came in and played really well, actually. Um, he graded out the best in uh, pass protection and I think this or the second best in run blocking, um, or maybe those are inverted. And one question I had kind of coming out of that was, does Harper potentially have a place to take over at guard on this line? Um, for Stephen Jones once Ryan Walk is back because uh, Stephen Jones had a bad game on Saturday. Um, yeah. and, and so I wonder if that could be a way to fortify this offensive line even more. Um, and on top of that, it made me feel good about potentially, you know, Harper being a known guy going into next season uh, where Oregon will have, you know, Connerly, Harper, Jackson Powers, Johnson, I think, uh, Dawson, Jerry Miller still has a year. Uh, so it felt like maybe after a mass departure on the offensive line, we expect this offseason season, some, of, there's actually a fair amount of good pieces to build a unit going into next year.
0: Yeah. I really liked what you said about, um, the comparison with receivers in regards to their competition. Right. Um, I'm I don't know about you, but I'm still not worried about this team when it gets into Pac-12 play. Um, I'm a little bit worried about you know some of the things we talked about in our season preview, like maybe some of the environments they'll run into, like playing in Pullman or playing in the desert, which is looking like an increasingly difficult trip considering how well Arizona did week one. Um, but overall, I mean, we have to keep this in perspective. Like we played the national champions. We played the best team in the country. Um, Hithliday said as much in his film review. He was like, "Look, this safety made a 12-yard sprint to tackle a guy in the backfield. Nobody else can do that in the <laughs> Pac-12. Like, <laughs> Irvin can make somebody miss or do, you know, get a couple yards out of that if he's playing against worse competition, which he will be for the rest of the season. Um, yeah. And again, I really like Hithliday because he compares numbers um of Oregon's efficiency to how other teams did against Georgia last season um so again I really really encourage people to check that out but um yeah man overall I'm I'm not super worried about this team going forward like I don't think there were any um other than tackling I don't think there were any uh, endemic problems with this team that I see persisting throughout the season um the tackling and missed assignments on defense yeah though those are those are tough but that's something that generally you see improve throughout the year like it's kind of a cliche at this point that week 1 tackling is bad across the country um it's not i'm not giving an excuse at all uh i'm just saying i expect that to be an improvement um i really like the pff numbers you gave uh my guy Uh, Justin Hopkins over at scoop duck just put out his offensive players of the game predictions um, against uh, Eastern Washington coming up. Um, Corpatty says Troy Franklin. I really like that shout, Um, but it's a little bit all over the map and I'm, I'm really something that kind of stood out to me just in thinking about this game a little more is that um, Oregon has some dudes at running back. Uh, Noah Whittington had a couple really, really good runs Like high level plays, Mm -hmm. Um, and he barely—I mean, I don't remember exactly what his snap count was that you gave, but it's—it was pretty low. He didn't get a ton of reps. Um, The fact that he could show that much in that little time is very impressive. Um, I'm just really—I'm really excited to see this running back room play against Eastern Eastern Washington because that's probably going to be the main. I would like to think that's you know that's going to be a, a success story um, on the ground. So I'm curious to kind of see a little bit more of these guys' styles. You know what I mean? Like against Georgia, you can only, you could only see so much of how somebody ran before they ran into like four different five-star defenders on defense. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. And I mean, if you could shape this running back room right now, how would you kind of, I guess I'm asking, like, what's your personal depth chart for this running back room? Because I think a lot of fans expected Cardwell to get more carries than he did. It seems like Irving is the number one guy right now. Um, I I would kind of like to see Cardwell, Irving, then Whittington. Uh, Where does Sean Dollars fit in in that sense? I mean, we got guys on on this running back room.
1: Yeah, I was really happy to see Sean Dollars on Saturday. And I think that he kind of makes sense as that third down back. Um, So I like him in that role. I mean, he was all-purpose back coming out of high school uh, and did a lot of pass catching at Modern Day. So I think that that makes sense for him to be there. In terms of the other three, it's, it's really hard for me. I mean, I think you're right. Whittington had arguably the most impressive runs of the game uh, that were when the game was still you know somewhat imp- competitive when teams still had their first units in. Uh, Cardwell looked good at the end there, but it seemed like the game had gotten pretty unserious at that point in my mind yeah. um, until we got into the red zone kind of and um, I think Irving is he you know he's really physical. I'm interested to see how he looks. I don't think we really have enough information to say who who gets the nod and I think it could be as simple as whoever has the hot hand or whoever's favored in a certain matchup. If a team's having a really hard time dealing with Irving's physicality, then I think that, you know, why would you not why would you go away from that? Uh, yeah. and at the same pa- at the same time, Cardwell's patience and and Whittington's, you know, speed and shiftiness all can pose different problems. I'm okay with the rotation personally, um, and so I'm interested to see if it does get pared down or not, uh, but it's really hard for me to, to say. I think it just depends what the preference is of Lachlan uh, and of Dillingham. You know, it, it, it I don't think there's a bad option in the room, though. I think it is a situation where you have three guys who I'd be totally comfortable with as as lead backs.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean... On that note, I, I do want to add one more thought I have about this game. I know you have a couple more. Um throughout the offseason, we and everybody else who covers the sport kind of we fall into this trap a lot of times. And we fall into the trap that this team is what they show in week one or week two, and like they're set on that. You know what I mean? Especially when we're doing win totals and counting up wins and things like that you say thing, you never, how do I put this? It's hard to catch yourself saying things like, okay, well, I believe they can beat this team, but because of certain circumstances or maybe there's an injury or just shit happens, you know, maybe they'll lose to this team that's actually worse than the other one. Um, A lot of times you just kind of, you have one, stable like ranking of a team set in mind maybe it's not an actual number but you kind of have a set belief about how it how good or bad a team will be and that they'll beat the good teams and lose to the bad teams the reason i bring this up is everybody and their sister on the oregon side before this game was saying oregon covers oregon covers oregon covers so when you get blown out like this you have to readjust your expectations. And in a way, I think there's a positive to take out of it. And it's that we can be more realistic about how this team plays week to week more so than say last year, last year, all the discussion was, well, we beat Ohio state. Why can't we beat up on these terrible PAC 12 teams? Um, Again, we're kind of expecting Oregon to be at a certain level being number three in the country for half the season. And when they don't play up to it, then we get mad. It's, it's kind of ironic, right? Like it's not yeah. realistic when you actually think about how teams play week to week. I mean, teams can play well; they can play poorly. We saw an Oregon team play very, very poorly against Georgia. That's that's no mistake. Georgia also played really, really well. They basically made no mistakes in the entire game. Um, like that's those are extremes of both those teams. Um, so yeah, but that, that's all I really have to say about that. <laughs> I'm glad that as a fan base, we have probably a little more room for realism. Although maybe I'm digging my own grave with that one. Cause we've both seen how interesting this fan base can get in terms of takes. So yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, I definitely regret picking Oregon to cover. I mean, obviously, <laughs> um, but I think it, yeah, it's easy to fall into that trap uh, of just of just leaning, you know. Oh, it's a big spread. I guess Oregon will cover, and it was obvious that that wasn't going to be the case uh, pretty early <laughs> on. Uh, I mean, this George team is really good, right? I think that QB eleven had a good rant uh, to start off his podcast, the Ducks Rising podcast, um, and a lot of his thoughts were just centered around the idea that people misunderstand what the gap looks like between a top two or three team that's like a bona fide national title co-favorite and everyone else, even the really good teams that aren't quite on that level. Um, and the game he used as evidence of that was the not the last game we saw Georgia play, but the game before that, the playoff semifinal versus Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the score of that game at halftime, do you remember what it was by chance?
0: <laughs> we were watching it together, and you know I'm not going to remember a lot from that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was 27 to three. The score, uh-huh. the score in the Oregon game at halftime was 28 to three. I mean, I think, yeah, Michigan was probably a little more competitive uh, at times. Uh, they forced two field goals in the first half, um, but it was a pretty similar result at the same time. They ended up scoring in garbage time uh, to finish the game 34-11, to 11, uh, and Georgia didn't pour it on quite as much, um, probably in part because they knew they had Alabama in yeah. 10 days, Uh <laughs> And not, you know, this runway afterwards and what have you. Um, But, I mean, Michigan, who went into the playoffs, ranked the number two team in the country uh, with one very close, kind of weird loss against Michigan State uh, and a win over Ohio State and a win in every other one of their games last season. uh, And a lot of really good players got absolutely throttled by Georgia in a playoff setting. Uh, And I think Georgia cared a lot about this Oregon game uh, for whatever reason. I think maybe part of it was Dan Lanning. You know, I don't think there's much bad blood there, though. More so, I think it was just uh, they came out pregame and were excited to kind of validate what they had done last season. Uh, I was worried I was sitting around with some friends watching the start of the game, and I, there was an interview pregame, and uh, right before the ball gets kicked off, and they're talking about, oh, the motto of this Georgia team is "Who cares?" Uh, and I was like, "That's not <laughs> oh, good, shit. you know. That's that's not what we want." Uh, I even said, you know, the mottos you like are are Washington's bow down, like you can lose <laughs> for 20 straight years and still have arrogance about you. Uh, and Georgia comes off a national title and doesn't really care, you know, and doesn't think anyone else cares and just wants to go oh beat the shit out of the next team they play. <laughs> and that's what they did, right? So, yeah, uh, I I just think it, it speaks to the fact that there's a big gap between Georgia or Alabama and maybe Ohio State trying really, really hard in a game uh, and literally anyone outside of those three teams (laughs) that they play in the country even teams that we actually know are really good and competent football teams um, who don't aren't playing the first game under a new head coach uh, and with a new offensive and defensive scheme so I'll say that kind of to wrap up my thoughts on the game Um, and the one other thing I want to do unless you have anything else you want to say before then is I like to put like some concrete, you know, um, like define what really changed in our perception of this Oregon team from that one game. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: And so I have a few numbers that I throw out just kind of in how I'm ballparking things uh, about how my my perception of Oregon has changed uh, just to kind of show what's the magnitude The impact that this game has so I said going into the season I think I was you know had Oregon at nine to nine creeping towards 9.5 wins as kind of Mm -hmm. you know my expected win total in 12 games Um, I said 9.25 and I think I dropped that about a half a game you know now I think I lean it's like 8.75 I think eight's a little more likely than 10 would be but I still think pretty solidly, 9-3 and three is the most likely outcome. Uh, you can credit that in individual games um, to like the Utah game, I think is a big one. Before the season opener, I thought, I think Oregon actually has like a 55% chance to win this game. It's going to be close, but I like Oregon at home. Now I feel like Oregon probably has a 40% chance to beat Utah right now. And this is fluid, right? It will adjust as we see what Oregon does against BYU and and this and there. Like, I'm I'm prepared to be wrong, but I think part of it is, like, you have to analyze what you see each game. And we talk about how we like to be reactive a little more than we like to be predictive. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is, you know, even like a game like Arizona is interesting. Before the season – in part because we saw it from Arizona, but before the season, it was in you know our list of five games that we thought Oregon's not losing this game really, uh, and now I think it's kind of tacked on to the bottom of that list that I could see Oregon losing in the desert to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a losable game now I think, uh, and then you know the other thing is like power rating perspective. How many points does it change a Vegas line I would put for Oregon on average in any? random game they play the rest of the year i think like four points maybe um you maybe. know if I if mean, the it, it if the byu the line was a touchdown before or six and a half like a field goal now feels about right if the utah line was oregon plus or minus two or minus one now i think utah plus three seems right uh but what what would you say about these things
0: I mean you got to keep in perspective like when it comes to lines the other half of the equation matters just as much right I mean we everybody right. saw Utah lose to Florida in a game that they really should have won um, on Saturday so that you know that factors into it as well the thing I've been looking at um and it's kind of funny I we we sort of reached the same conclusions by coming at it from different perspectives um, I like looking at odds odds are just kind of my mm-hmm guide in this like that's how i perceive things if you want a concrete answer as to what a team's chances are odds are as close as you're going to get um yeah and i was looking up pac-12 odds so preseason uh the the three contenders in the pac-12 had these odds right usc plus 200 understandable utah plus 250 and then oregon plus 277 interesting you know um Mm. Now the odds are USC still at plus 200, Utah plus 210, so they got slightly better, and Oregon at plus 350. So Vegas is seeing something um that tells them Oregon is oh, excuse me, has actually decreased their chances of winning the conference based on that mm-hmm. performance against Georgia. I guess that's fair to say if Vegas was considering Oregon to be within 17 or so points of Georgia in this game, and obviously they were for only 46 points in, <laughs> close to them. Um, so, I don't know. I Again, this I said earlier that this game doesn't affect how I feel about Oregon's Pac-12 chances, and I stand by that, even though the odds have decreased. But, I mean, that's not a huge decrease. Um, I, I still think we should be beating up on a team like uh Stanford for example um who beat Colgate but still I'm assuming are atrocious uh you know Colorado on the road and Cal on the road those should still be like blowout games in Oregon's favor I, I understand that recent history against Cal has been different but um realistically speaking those are the type of games I'm interested to see and this Wazoo game in Week Four is looking bigger and bigger as the days pass for me, and as I stare at my massive spreadsheet every day, it, it just I I find my eyes drifting to that game as like wow, that's really gonna tell us more about this team than any other game I think uh, until you know we play those big games in November, maybe the BYU game. Um, I'm really really curious to see how BYU play against. Uh, Baylor, they host yep. Baylor this weekend, which uh, Baylor is still listed as like a top what fifteen team in a lot of places.
1: I think um, I think top ten in some places. Um, wow, let me check their AP ranking. I think it might be nine. Let me check real quick.
0: Yeah, I I mean, listeners might know this. I don't pay attention to rankings at this point. Um, they're pretty much useless to me, and like I don't know what a team's ranking is until I see it in the little corner on uh, on. Right. the scoreboards, but... Yeah, uh, they are
1: nine, by the way. So okay, wow. Get, it gives Oregon a great chance, because I think B- BYU's favored by two and a half right now, uh, wow. if I remember that line off the top of my head, uh, because it's in Provo. But if BYU wins that game versus a number nine Baylor team, based on how AP poll narratives work, BYU's going to be, you know, top 14 going into... um the trip to Oregon, probably. And Oregon's probably going to sneak into number 24 or 25 because they're 26th right now. Mm. Um, so that will be an opportunity to kind of fix some of the narrative. But I completely agree with what you said about Washington State because that's the game, because it's in conference, that's going to stick with this Oregon team the rest of the way. You know, they, like the BYU game, even if you lose, you can flush it nine weeks later, uh, if you make a conference title game, but if you lose to Washington state, your margin for error to get to a conference title game, uh, is pretty narrow the rest of the way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> again, I, I'm really interested to see how Oregon performs against these middle of the road teams. Um, we can talk briefly about Eastern Washington real quick. Uh, because, I mean, that's the game that's actually in front of us. But I don't know how much we'll actually learn about it. Um, I The source I'm using, I can't even find a spread for this game. Um, but I'll, I'll look at it in the background. Um, do you have any thoughts on this Eastern Washington team? I'll just straight up ask that, because I don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the spread I found is... Uh... Oregon minus 21, and an over-under of uh, 71. So, I don't wow. know. You We can do the math on that uh, if we want to. Um, but the Eastern Washington team, what, they played Tennessee Tech, uh, who I think Oregon played in, like, 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah. With the yellow and purple.
0: 2012, I think, because... Yeah. Uh... Or maybe it was even twenty eleven, because that was like the D'Anthony breakout game. It was yeah. Tennessee Tech.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I think you're right. Um yeah, that's a funny memory. Um, long time ago now, it feels like. But that yeah. game versus Tennessee Tech was competitive, uh, and offense heavy. Um they won 36 uh, and so Eastern Washington right now, uh the kind of book is that they have a pretty good passing attack and a really bad defense. Um, mm. And so that, we'll see. I mean, I think that's a good <laughs> test probably for Oregon right now. Uh, it should be a game that's not too scary, uh, given that, you know, Oregon's 21 point favorites. And it shouldn't be scary because of the talent advantage Oregon has. Um, but hopefully, that's some practice for the secondary uh to compete in this passing game and a confidence builder for the offense that like we said played better uh than we maybe thought at the time uh or better even than we expected at times versus Georgia mm-hmm. but didn't see that convert to points uh and so hopefully there'll be some payback of that against Eastern Washington and and you can actually get an end zone and see Kind of the, some of the positive signs we saw on Saturday reflected in the scoreboard of this game.
0: Um, I, <clears throat> I remember this last game against Eastern Washington pretty vividly. Actually, um, this was the the Vernon Adams game for Oregon. It was his first mm-hmm. game against his former team. Um, <laughs> Reed, do you remember how many receiving yards Cooper Cup had in this game? No, I don't. 246. Oh my god. 246 yards. Um, that's, that's... That's a <laughs> it's foreshadowing to a, a funny finished, year. <laughs> the game finished 61-42 to 42 in Oregon's favor um, in Autzen. Uh This... Uh, Royce Freeman on 180 yards on the ground. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying this as if we're going to learn anything that'll help Oregon, but I just thought it funny that the two things you mentioned about Eastern Washington are that they have bad defense and that their passing attack is really good. It's like, oh, that's exactly what happened when they came to Oregon last time. So, um, points are great. 71 is a huge point total. I'm excited to, to see this game for sure. Um... So, yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it's an FCS team. It doesn't matter how good they are. Like, Arizona is still favored to beat North Dakota State. And that's a pretty good indicator of, like, hey, here's one of the worst teams in FBS last year against consistently the best FCS team. And they're still favored. Um, Just the talent gap is so immense, it's impossible to overcome most of the time. So, uh, I would love to see Oregon run up the score. They only got to, what, like 41 points or something? Like forty. Forty something points against Stony Brook last year, um, so hopefully we get a higher point total than that. Um, and I mean, let's spread the ball around, right? Let's get guys like Thornton involved so that he stops whining about not getting enough playing time, right? <laughs> um, let's see, let's see all the different running backs we mentioned in this game get some touches. Uh, let's just all have fun and spread the love and watch some football because uh, Lord, do we need it uh, after after that beatdown? So um that Oregon team by the way that played Eastern Washington was number seven at the time um and they still gave up 42 points on defense uh so yeah let's let's see what happens um in gearing up for BYU uh you got any other thoughts on this game or should we go around the conference
1: yeah, I'm I'm fine to go around the conference. Uh, I don't think we're going to learn that much about this team in this game. That's you know going to sh- shape how we see them the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, so there's only there is actual Pac-12 on Pac-12 football this weekend. Uh, USC and Stanford are doing their little week two game. I don't. I do you know why that game is in week two every year? It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah, it is weird. I'm not sure I'm not sure what causes that. Maybe um maybe it's because they both play Notre Dame sometimes uh and usually hmm. play Notre Dame at weird points in conference so it kind of helps both of them to uh or weird points that would normally normally be during the conference slate so it helps both of them to get out a conference game in the non-conference portion of the season. If that makes that sense.
0: Actually makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's a guess, um, though. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I think that's pretty solid, though. All right, so let's pick all these games against um, actual opponents uh, against the spread. Let's start um, USC Stanford, just what we're talking about. Uh, we've seen Stanford win this game when they really, really shouldn't in the past. And uh, they fired. They got Clay Helton fired last year in this game. Um the point spread is usc by 11 which just seems way too low to me i probably need to cross check this with another source but i'm i'm seeing um, it
1: on on espn right now they have it listed at eight and a half
0: what the hell man that's that's atrocious um you should be all over that usc spread uh stanford is not good they're not a good team
1: as someone who wants Um, to fade usc badly I was fully ready to open up a two plus touchdown spread, you know, maybe even like 17 points and be like eh, crazy Stanford stuff. I'll pick Stanford. <laughs> but it ain't, at what was it, 11? I can't do it. I can't do it at all. I'll put, I'll take USC.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, I they they got to know something we don't about um, both of these teams. Cause... And I hope
1: they do. I fully will be <laughs> yeah. rooting for Vegas to be closer on this line than I am, but I just don't see it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're both, we're both taking USC there. Um I'll give you the board, man. Uh which game do you want to talk about in the packs 12 Uh I'll let's go to this uh Washington
1: Wisconsin Washington State Wisconsin game.
0: Ooh, um, I like that.
1: What what line do you have on that?
0: I have 17 and a half.
1: Yeah, same. Yeah, that's Wisconsin. a early, yeah. that's a noon thirty kickoff, um, at Wisconsin. That's an interesting line, I think. Um, but honestly, you know, I was I was ready to take Washington State here preseason, but I just didn't really like what I saw against Idaho. Obviously, for them, um, Wisconsin played Illinois State in Week One, one thirty eight nothing. But you don't really learn much there, obviously. I think I'm going to lean Wisconsin to cover seventeen and a half. I just don't know if this Washington state team's together yet, but if they come out and play competitive, it will make that week four matchup versus Oregon, uh, all the more intriguing and potentially scary.
0: Yeah. I, I have a hard time not picking Wisconsin. Um, I just don't trust wazoo's like, what do we know historically about Wisconsin? Right. They're big, they're slow, but they will pound it down your throat and you won't be able to stop them really uh, on offense unless you have a really, really good front seven. What do we know historically about Washington State? (laughs) Um, I I don't think they're really known for their front seven uh, and their defensive line specifically. So I don't think Wisconsin will have a problem putting up points. Wazoo did have a problem with Idaho last week, as you mentioned. I mean, all signs point toward this being Wisconsin. And because of that, I'm going to pick Wazoo against the spread, because why not, man? Um, <laughs> I'm betting with my heart here. And I'm also not actually betting, so that's that's good. Um, all right, man, let's look at... Uh, I want to talk about this uh, Oregon State at Fresno State. Um, I think the Beavers surprised kind of everyone with how well they played against Boise Uh effectively blew them out in the first half. Right now this line, I have Fresno State by 1. I don't know if you're seeing something different anywhere else. It's yeah. basically a pick 'em.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing Oregon State by 1, so pretty similar. Uh but yeah. we'll go, we'll go with your line. Um Well,
0: let's let's call it a pick 'em, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, <laughs> it effectively is cuz right. push if a team wins by one point. <laughs> um yeah, well, what do you think of this game?
1: Yeah, um, it's really interesting. I think that for Oregon State, it's a really interesting position. Obviously, they really struggled to replicate their success at home when they traveled last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Fresno State's a good team, uh, and you know, evenly matched team pretty much. You might remember Hainer from last year, obviously, if you're listening, the quarterback there. Um, and I mean, we all saw Fresno State play Oregon close last year to start the season now they're at home so this would be a legitimately impressive win i think if the beavers could get it done and they looked good uh in their first week versus poise state uh i want to go the beavers but honestly i just uh have been let down too many times by the pac-12 and <laughs> non-conference play i'm gonna go with fresno state uh but I expect a competitive game, and it's honestly one of the games I'm most excited to watch because I think either way, we're going to learn a lot about what this Oregon State team is if they're ready to really take that step towards legitimately competing for the conference this year.
0: Yeah, that's a late game. It's going to be 10.30 Eastern, so uh, 7.30 Pacific, on CBS Sports Network. Um and DM me if you need to figure out how to how to watch that. <laughs> um, it is an actual TV station, believe me. I, I think it's channel like 221 or something on DirecTV. I don't know. I haven't had it in a while. but um, This is going to be a... Because of the time, because of the vibes around this game, a lot of Pac-12 fans, as you said, are already familiar with Fresno State from their games against Oregon and UCLA last year. I think this is going to be a disgusting game um in in one way or another like we're gonna see some real sickos football out of this one i think it'll be close for sure and i really don't know man i i want to pick oregon state like you said i my my heart says oregon state my brain says fresno state i guess i guess i'll go with oregon state just so we have a little difference of opinion here um because i really do think this is a toss-up um and it, it could go either way. I'll go with the beeves though. Why not? Um, Fresno struggled with somebody terrible last week. I think it was Cal Poly. Uh, they didn't put him away very quickly at all. So maybe that's an indication that OSU can do better against them. I, I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, I
1: I admittedly did not watch the Fresno State-Cal Poly game. So oh, you might have an edge on me
0: there. <laughs> I I did not watch it either. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I I just know that they struggle with them. So, um, all right, man, your turn. Uh, you any yeah. any game you want? There's a lot of good ones here. Um,
1: we've touched on a few of them, obviously, but one of the late ones, the other really late one, um, eight Ooh, pm yeah. kick. Mississippi State traveling to Arizona. Um, this is going to be a really interesting game. What spread do you have on this?
0: Uh, let me see, Arizona, not Arizona state, of course. Um, I have Mississippi state by eight, okay. but I'm seeing a lot of 10 and a halves.
1: Yeah. I see a 10 and a half here. We can go with either one. What do you want to, uh, let's go play? with 10 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to make your pick
0: first? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> Not really. Uh, uh, this is going to be a great game though.
1: Yeah, it is going to be a great game. I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Uh, I think that we'll learn even more about Arizona. I mean, they really impressed in their first game. But I'm a little bit wary of whether that's, uh, you know, whether that San Diego State team is is just really any good at all. Uh, yeah. And, and um, Mississippi State, is actually a feature of the josh pate poll at number 17 in the country so i think that's you know a surprising thing like when people don't see that little ap poll number next to someone's name they just think oh they're not really that good this year Mm -hmm. Uh, but it seems like mississippi state could be sneaky good on the other side of things though it's mike leach traveling to the desert a lot of weird (laughs) vibes tied into this game right so So much
0: narrative I don't know uh yeah I I I think Arizona is a good team and I think this could be a huge like bounce back for the Pac-12 if they can pull it out definitely could however I don't believe that'll happen I think Mississippi State is a better team and I think they're gonna score more points than Arizona um I don't know if they'll score 10.5 more points, but I'll, I'll take Mississippi State against the spread here. Um, it really pains my heart to say that, and I would love nothing more than for Arizona. Well, I'd love a few things more, but I really want Arizona to do well in this game. It would show the country how much they've improved over the offseason. I do think, like, I wasn't ready to buy into the Arizona hype. We talked about this a little bit on the last episode. Um, I wasn't ready to buy into their hype earlier, but now I, I really... I mean, they looked really, really good against San Diego State, um, and the amount of turnover that 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 roster has experienced seems to be positive rather than uh, potentially detrimental. So, definitely. Um, Arizona State traveling to Oklahoma State. Do I have that right? Is that a road? Ooh, excuse me, a road game for them. Yes. Um, I see Oklahoma State by eleven as the most common spread here. Mm-hmm. Uh. What are you thinking about this? How do you feel?
1: I'm going to roll with Oklahoma State. Uh, I picked against a lot of Pac-12 teams today, but I just, (laughs) again, non-conference and bowl season and all that has not been kind to the the Pac-12 at all. Um, And Oklahoma State, I mean, it just is hard to see me uh, picking Arizona State on the road to hang with a team that's flirting with top 10 in the country i don't see it
0: uh, yeah i don't either unfortunately um god man yeah you're right all you're picking against all these pac 12 teams and i'm out here trying to, <laughs> to defend the pac 12 <laughs> but i really just don't see it um you know what i'm gonna all right I'm going to do something terrible. I'm going to switch my pick in the Mississippi State game. I'll take Arizona in that game, because I feel like I need to back the pack a little more. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma State in this game. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, just throw some variance in there. Uh, this is this is not how you should bet, by the way. Uh, also, <laughs> don't take our advice on betting. <laughs> we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Um, it's just fun to make picks. Um, all right, I think think there's only let me see i believe there are only two more games against fbs teams in the pac-12 so let's do cal unlv and then we'll do colorado air force um <laughs> we're getting real disgusting here but we'll make it quick um unlv uh oh god why i forget his name marcus arroyo is unlv's head coach former oregon offensive coordinator um, has only won like two games in his entire tenure so far uh, at UNLV. Cal is favored by 12.5 at most books. Um, what, you, do you have any thoughts on this at all? I'll,
1: I'll take Cal and Fade and Marcus Arroyo. All
0: right. Uh, I'll, I'll do the same. Uh, that seems like the logical pick there. Um, and then Colorado Air Force. Uh, Air Force, really, really good um, Mountain West team, by the way. Colorado, really, really bad Pac-12 team. Air Force are favored by 17 and a half. Uh, I'll, I'll take Colorado. I get, no, what am I saying? I'm taking Air Force. They're, they're the better team by far.
1: Yeah, I I think I'm going to take Air Force too.
0: All right, well, we got some variants in there um, that we can distinguish between. Again, I went four and three last week. You went five and two. Um, so that was really good. Uh, any other games around the country you're looking at? This is Loki key a dry slate this week around the, the country. Uh, obviously, you got Alabama, Texas, which could produce something, but that's like a morning game. Um, Tennessee at Pitt could be interesting like a lot of these pac 12 games i think are worth watching this week um over some national games
1: um, definitely yeah i am more excited about the pac 12 slate i mean like the usc stanford game i'm really interested to just see what it is i i fully see a world where usc blows them out but if vegas somehow sees something and that is a touchdown game late i will be glued to the screen for that one uh
0: Dude, that's Alabama, a primetime ABC game. <laughs> yeah, um,
1: Alabama, Texas. I think Alabama is just going to roll personally. Um, yeah. Otherwise, some of this slate. I mean, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, like you mentioned at twelve thirty. I I didn't really love Pittsburgh in the first week, uh, so I'll, I think Tennessee probably wins there. Um, but that will be interesting, definitely. Uh, Kentucky, Florida at four PM. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I want to see what this Florida yep. team is really like after them surviving the game against uh, against Utah, obviously. Oh, and Florida's
0: then Florida's ranked twelfth. I know.
1: Seriously. I know. I know. God, I hate... uh, and
0: it's the disgusting.
1: last one, obviously, to cap off the night is seven fifteen game between Baylor and BYU. I mean, that has the uh, arguably the, some of the biggest implications for Oregon. Uh, and I will be disgustingly for probably the only time in my entire life, I think (laughs) rooting for BYU. Um, (laughs) yeah, I I hate to even say that, but, uh,
0: yeah, this is this in in a lot of ways that we've been talking about BYU is like a test game for Oregon. It's it's a test game for Baylor. I mean, yeah. if they really think of themselves as a top ten team, you should be winning this game handily. Um, and the fact that it's only like a three point spread is really really scary uh, from their perspective. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I think I might have to root for the team in green and yellow against BYU, even if it doesn't help us. Again, I don't really care about national perception for the rest of this year as much as i care about pac-12 perception um i that the the game was so bad against georgia that even if we run through the rest of our schedule somehow i mean i guess you can throw out the narrative of a changed team but my point is i really don't think we're going to get any national respect for the rest of the season um and i i i don't really care um it's a regional sport i want to beat up on the pac-12 uh Every team we play from here on out is west of the Mississippi, which is a great thing. Um, so, yeah, let's let's beat Easter Washington handily. Let's, as I said, spread the ball around. Let's actually tackle people. Um, those are kind of my goals to see on the field, I guess. Uh, all right, man. Yeah, this is going to be a really This – I'm actually excited for this slate. Sometimes these helmet games really underwhelm. Oregon, Georgia is a great example. Last week, um, and we don't have as many of those as we do just kind of intriguing matchups between like middle of the road teams. Yeah. Um, so yeah, also if Portland State beats Washington, I will be <laughs> quite excited about that. But um, any other thoughts, man? Before we dip out.
1: No, I think I'm good. Do you want to leave with any score prediction, or or not even
0: bother? Um. Uh, seventy to two. That's my
1: score prediction. <laughs> I respect it. Um, I'll go like. Oh, I'd really love to give get above fifty. I think like 52 twenty four. Okay. Maybe I, like I took that. the exercise a little more seriously.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, in all earnestness though, how about this? Like. You said you'd like to give, get above 50. What would you consider a success in terms of point total? Because, like, for example, for the last offense. game I was saying 21 is like my targeted successful game against Georgia. What about this game? 50, 45?
1: I th- 45, I'd say. 45, I, I won't complain about 45. If it's in the 30s, I'll be upset, though. Um, yeah, for sure. And yeah. if, it's, if it's 42, I'll be like a little annoyed, but I won't be like. I rate and if it's 45 I don't complain depending okay. how it happens right <laughs>
0: um yeah I agree but um I would really love honestly I think the the one that matters more in this game is the defensive point total uh um, yeah what are, where are you at for that under 10 gotta be single digits uh really yeah, we're playing an FCS team like yeah so i'll, I'll give them some leeway and say like 15 like if they score two touchdowns Whatever you know, garbage time should be induced pretty quickly in this game. Um, but I gotta see, I, I gotta see a dominant performance on all sides, or else I'm gonna be angry. Um, all right, man. Solid episode, considering you got me out of bed to do this one because <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to set my alarm this morning. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening to us. Five star rating is greatly appreciated, and go ducks.
1: Go ducks.